It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ernest Hemingway and James Dean, icons of machismo. When I was growing up in the 1980s it was the drag race, young men, boys really, stepping on the gas, hurtling their glossy cars into the darkness. It would be on Ortigas, when Ortigas was still a rectangle of Kagan, or on Marcos Avenue when that border zone between Marikina, Kainta and Anipolo was still rice fields. Later, the arena for young machos changed to any of the superhighways pointing south, to Alabang. Some of them raced in their father's convertibles. One boy would be stepping on the gas, all right. Another would be standing not on the back seat, too safe, but on the ledge of the seats. Standing there, his body slightly hunched, frozen in the pose of the bronzed hunk from California, riding the waves or in the pose of the pale young European in his rainbow cardigan, skiing down the Alps, or in the pose of the defiant American hang gliding in the Himalayas. His face would be a mask, very tight, hard set, a face no wind could crumple. A face thrust against fate. Lost generation was the phrase that the great Ernest Hemingway coined for their group of young writers exiled in Paris. There they drank, they swore, they had sex, they wrote. Their arteries almost burst from the vividness of the lives they lived. They were young, they were restless, and they savored every kernel of experience that life handed them. Hemingway's book, A Movable Feast, chronicles this passage so well. When I was studying at the University of Stirling in Scotland, I saw a film about these expatriate artists. One scene showed Hemingway moving from table to table, gloriously drunk as usual, telling everybody the tentative title of his latest book, A Portable Dinner. The final title, of course, is better because it is more fluid. The next icon of restless youth was James Dean. This boy with the sad and beautiful face haunts us still. His films, A Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden, are still being watched, or are now streamed, all over the world. I'm sure James Dean would turn in his grave if he saw his face now reproduced everywhere. The boy from the backwaters of society has joined the mainstream. The other has vaulted into the center, why, he has become a merch, a merchandise. Aside from the usual t-shirts and notebook covers, we now see his face on lunchboxes, pencil cases, bags and whatnot. I even sat on his face at the Blue Cafe in Mallet almost two decades ago. Which was not so bad, really, since this cafe played the coolest reggae, although a bit too loud, and catered to some of the most stylish people around. Thus, we have the icons of machismo, Ernest Hemingway and James Dean. Hemingway wrote prose whose sinews were hard. His sentences, nay, his very books, bulged with muscles. His men hunted game and fought wars. His male characters, he said, ate a lot of food, had a lot of sex, and then they died. The Nobel Prize jury praised him for fiction that showed the hard countenance of the age. But it was downhill after the short but brilliant The Old Man and the Sea. He was glad when he won the Pulitzer Prize for this book. But the Nobel Prize came like an electric shock. Suddenly, he couldn't write and resorted to drinking. Every new page he wrote thereafter he compared to the magical sentences in The Old Man and the Sea, and the new work suffered in comparison. He fell into depression and wasted away in his mansion in Key West, Florida. He later moved back to his hometown of Ketchum, Idaho. Then, like the poet Edwin Arlington Robinson's Richard Corey, one day he just put a bullet through his head. 
but recent scholarship shows that beneath this macho bluster was a painfully insecure man who had a streak of homosexuality. He constructed fiction that became a facade for his inner turmoil. The other icon of rebellion showed us a softer version of masculinity. James Dean was a master at revealing emotions at their rawest, whether rebelling against the establishment or searching for a mother he had never known. At a young age he became a star, lionized by young people everywhere who saw in him the embodiment of their angst. But he was never happy. The images I will always remember, James Dean walking in the rain, hands deep in his pockets, collar turned up against the wind. Recent cinematic scholarship has excavated that James Dean must have been bisexual, or even gay. YouTube is replete with images of him with other good-looking Hollywood leading men of his time, in allegedly bromance relationships. This is not a big issue now, but in the 1950s, it was unthinkable. I'm not saying that both Ernest Hemingway and James Dean were lonely because they were gay. Loneliness is a condition that crosses genders and sexualities. But like them, the young men of the metro try to go against the grain. Young, restless, with the future inchoate, they live on the edge. The map of their inner world might be full of holes, the parents who aren't home, the girlfriends who want out, the relatives who mistake meddling for concern. Or simply just the vague yearning for something yet shapeless. Or just the whole world itself becoming a big, black void. It must be the cliché of the poor little rich boy who struts about in his cool Han shoes, wearing Guess and Giordano by day. But he only begins to live, finding beauty in danger and danger in beauty, when that car zips up the superhighway, his toes probing for footholds in the air.